Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, and welcome back to Knowing, Robin Williams for Macmillan Podcasts. I'm your host, Christy Westgard, and this week we've got something pretty exciting for you. We're taking a departure from Robin's story to speak with a special guest, Mr. Jimmy Pardo. He's a comedian who's worked on the late night show with Conan O'Brien. He's also the host of his own long-running podcast, Never Not Funny. We talk Robin, the struggles of being a comedian, and listen to classic Robin bits. Take a listen. Hi, Jimmy. Well, hello. Um, (laughs) So glad to have you on with us today. And um, I'd love to start with asking you to tell us just a little bit about yourself. uh, Yeah, I've been been doing stand-up forever. And, um, you know, 2006, uh, uh, my co-host Matt Belknap came to me to say, uh, let's, uh, why don't we, uh, I was doing a live talk show, non-televised talk show at the UCB Theater in Los Angeles. And a fan who ran a website for alternative comedy named Matt Belknap came to me and said, let's turn this into a podcast. And so we turned that into, uh, into a podcast in 2006 and called it Never Not Funny. And they like to describe me as a pioneer because I was in early. Um, so I guess I was. Um, and uh, yeah, then I worked for Conan O'Brien for seven years doing various different, uh, wearing various different hats. Uh, Warm up was my main duty, but I also would be a guest. I filled in. Yeah, so you would be warming up the, the, the crowd, correct? That's correct. I would get the crowd. I would uh, ready for about uh, 15 minutes before Conan, the, before the show would start. Um, and then that that grew into, uh, the, they had me start doing a remote. Uh, they had me, I had my own behind the scenes, uh, the part of patrol, we called it, where I would do uh, these little uh, interviews for the uh, teamcoco.com website, uh, where I would interview the celebrity after they were done being interviewed by Conan. Um, and then, uh, I ended up being a guest and then I filled in for Andy Richter a couple of times. And so it, it ended up being a really great relationship. And, um, I ended up getting my own, uh, my own show, uh, on science channel. So I had to leave Conan and, um, uh, sadly that only had one season. And you were doing a lot. I mean, that I assume is a lot of improv work in order to, uh, read the audience, get them warmed up. Were you ad-libbing a lot of it? Was it a mix of planned out material and also just what you got in that moment? You know, it, it was, I would say, 98% improvised. And, you know, my stand-up act is very much, you know, improvised. I try to improvise as much of it as I can. I always say if if you hear more material than improv in my show, it, it, it I don't think I'm having a good show. Um, and so I like it to be as improvised as possible, which is why that particular warm-up gig was perfect for me because I had just these various beats I had to hit, you know, turn off your phones, there's the exits um, in the case of an emergency, that sort of thing. But other than that, I, it was my time. And luckily, uh, you know, with the, with the television taping, you've got people that are from all over the country. They're on vacation. They're excited to see Conan. They're excited to see whatever celebrity is going to be on. So, you know, when you say who's in from out of town, 
you don't have one or two to choose from. You've got 200 to choose from. And so, you know, uh, you get to meet people that way and, and, and interact with them and find, you know, you know, do the old, what do you do for a living sort of thing? And, um, you know, are you going to school? What are you majoring in? And then always trying to find the funny that way. And, you know, nine times out of 10, I found it. There'd be some times where, you know, it's a clunker or, you know, the audience just wasn't buying me (laughs) and that's, that's life. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I want to ask you, and I think a good way to segue into Robin with this is you get con- you get compared to him a little bit with the type of comedy that you're doing. Um, how is your comedy similar to Robin's? You know, I, I guess, again, the improvised uh, nature of it, um, or at least making it seem improvised. You know, Robin, not like myself, you know, you have... Uh, and I, by the way, I'm not comparing myself to Robin Williams. Um, other people have been kind enough to do that. You don't want to fill those shoes. Uh, I, I do not. I um, I don't own suspenders. <laughs> so when I when I use this comparison, I'm just using it for the basis of, uh, to answer your question of, you know, it, it's the it's the appearance of improvisation. Now certainly there is real improv going on, but there's also arrows in our quiver that we've used in the past that oh hey that works in this instance, and then you pull it out and you know you look like the hero. And Robin certainly did the same thing, and and I think, and admittedly, I'm a, you know I, I've kind of got as you can probably tell from the way I'm talking now a little bit of a manic energy, <laughs> and Robin had I a, didn't notice at all. Uh, well, you're lying. Um, <laughs> you know, Robin had this manic energy times a thousand. So, you know, very often after a stand-up show, people would come up and uh, and even sometimes even after the Conan uh, tapings, people would come up and go, you know, you remind me of, and I, and I would get some other. You know, Don Rickles sometimes because, you know, whenever you work the crowd, people just assume you're a put-down comic, even if you're not. But more often than not, people go, you're so much like Robin Williams. You're so much like Robin Williams. And and, and I don't necessarily, like I said, I don't necessarily know if I am, but I will certainly take that high praise. I'm not going to oh, yeah. fight it. Yeah. Now, you said that people, when you're working the crowd, sometimes assume that it's a put-down comic. Can you explain that? What does that mean? I mean, like... You know, Don Rickles so often would, you know, call people a hockey puck or, you know, would, uh, <laughs> you know, would do like a little aside to, you know, to the uh, ignorant mind, it would look like an insult when in reality it's just a funny, stupid comment. Um, and I, I like to think that I'm talking with them, not talking at them. And so I never, I never try to put anybody down unless it's a heckler and they deserve it. That's a different story. But, um, you know, comics that do crowd work and do nothing but put the person, put the audience down or, you know, the individual person they're talking to, uh, I, I don't necessarily think that's funny. Why, why, are you, why are you punching the people in the face that came to see you? You know, Don Rickles wasn't really, he was called an insult comic, but at the end of the day, it was all just comedy. Um, I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's observation and I'm sure you've watched his crowd work and it's outstanding the way he um, will take just a person's piece of clothing and turn it into this whole slew of different characters and um, just go all over the place, like just pinging off of like a shawl, like a a fishnet looking shawl. Look at this, my God. Somewhere, oh, is it a purse? It's more than that. Wait, don't. We cast the nets into the sea. It's like, my God. I 100% agree with that. And, and that's what I always loved about Robin is that it was just always joy. Folding the gay flag is a ritual. You know, his crowd work was, was never putting down. It was always, you know, almost like verbally hugging everybody and having fun with them. 
Um, <laughs> and so how did you first come across Robin's work? Like when you were younger, what was your relationship to Robin's comedy? Um, and then through the years as you um, pursue this career, what was Robin's influence? Well, initially, you know, I, I, like everybody else, I saw him in Happy Days and then Mork and Mindy. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, uh, you know, couldn't wait every week for Mork and Mindy to come on so I could wa- watch this, you know, genius at work. Um, and, you know, I was a kid, so I didn't understand that he was improvising a lot of it. I didn't know, you know, that he just was funny to me. And then I guess I bought Reality What a Concept in, um, I guess it came out in 79. Um, so I was, ugh, dare I give my age away, I was in eighth grade. And, you know, that's the perfect age to kind of discover that kind of comedy, you know. And, you know, we, everybody at school would talk about him. We'd talk about seeing him on Johnny Carson. We'd talk about that album. We would have little listening parties. Uh, you know, hey, you want to come over and listen to the Robin Williams album? And um, it was really cool. You know, and we would listen to other comedy. We would listen to some Robert Klein. We would listen to, um, you know, other stand-up albums. But that was the one that seemed to make everybody happy. Um, so we would listen to that. And then, you know, as, as time went on, you know, uh, you know, I would, you'd see Robin at the, you know, the comic reliefs year to year. Um, and of course now there's movies and stuff and, uh, that he was in and, um, you know, he, <laughs> he was always omnipresent. He was always there. Um, you know, you, you couldn't go too long without seeing some sort of Robin Williams vehicle. So, uh, you know, if, if that's what you dug, uh, you were going to get your fix. And you, I think, at some point mentioned that there's, like, you know, different flavors of comedy. And what was Robin's kind of flavor of comedy? I mean, it sounds like he somehow managed to be almost everyone's flavor of comedy. And that's an impressive feat in a world where it is really hard to find something that we can all agree upon. And to agree upon kind of what is funny is, I think, especially I, I, I agree with you on hard. that. Yeah, I well, certainly now it's hard <laughs> to agree on, on things, but um, and 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 to that, how much fun would Robin be having with what's going on in the world right now? I mean, he, you know, and and there, are, I mean, certainly there are comics that are making, and their late night guys are doing an amazing job, but there are comics that are out there talking about you know government and what have you, and I'm going to try to do this without naming names, but uh, and I mean of politicians, but I think Robin had such a gravitas and and was almost given a pass where like he could take down establishment in a way that George Carlin could too. But Robin, nobody ever got mad at Robin Williams for taking down anybody. Yeah. Um, and, and I think to do it right, like he is a voice we are sadly missing right now um, for that reason. And I also think a lot of people that may still believe our president's a good human being um, who would also love Robin would go, might even be swayed by something Robin would say where mm-hmm. they might not from an erudite speaking person like a George Carlin or somebody along, you know, the equivalent today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's been something that's so interesting is that, I mean, Robin, for the most part, because he comes from this background that is waspy and elite. A couple of months ago, they had a white shark off the coast of Marin. People think, thank God, at least it was white. <laughs> He's kind of punching down <laughs> whenever yeah. he's making any sort of joke. You never see that white shark, though, swimming in the bay, come up, come up near Oakland because people be going, get your ass out of the water. 
Get your ass out of the water. I'm gonna make some shoes out of your booty. Make it. Come on. Come on out. I'm waiting for you. Um, and yet he was able to do all that and more and still um, do that without really like with it being just pure observation and when you when you watch him and you 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 hear what he says it's like he's going so fast that it's almost like you don't have time to <laughs> be like right. whoa that's that's not fair and that's not right cuz he's already on like joke number 5 by by that point exactly yeah you don't you don't have if you're mad at joke one number one uh, yeah you're, you're like you're still piecing the, it the together and he's almost he's almost it's almost as if he takes the connections so far out of the realm of what we're used to that you know suddenly he's talking about space and you're like right 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 well like you can't be angry about that <laughs> yeah and you know what something you said kind of made me think too like usually in comedy the word safe seems like a, a negative uh, yeah. A negative description. But Robin was safe. He made, you know, he was edgy. The, the words he was saying were edgy, but he did it in a way that you felt safe. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I think that, to go back to what you said, like he was everybody's flavor. I think that's why. He was saying enough edgy things that the hipsters would dig it. And it certainly was brand new when he first came out in the late 70s. So the hipsters would dig it by what he was saying. But the people that may not dig what he's exactly saying were enjoyed the presentation and so were on board with it. Mm. Um, he was just and, really, uh, really damn good. <laughs> y- yes. Yes, at the end of the day, that's the answer. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So you got the pleasure of meeting Robin in person, and um, I'd love to hear about that experience. I did. I uh, I had no idea that Robin was in the room. We were doing, uh, for a while I was doing the game show Match Game Live. I would do it uh, live with a, uh, before it came back on the air with Alec Baldwin, we would do it live here in LA, and we were doing it up in San Francisco as part of Sketchfest, and... You know, I would do it where, you know, the panel would be six comedians and I would host it. We'd get people out of the audience to to be the contestants. And as the host, you know, I got to control six comics on stage as well as run this game. And it was always it was always wonderful and always fun and always funny. And the show was over and this comic who and I I apologize, I don't remember his name, was in the audience. And he came backstage and he said, hey, I got to tell you something. I was sitting next to Robin Williams the whole time. And he couldn't stop laughing at everything you said. 
And he kept turning to Rick Overton, who was with him, and going, who is this guy? This guy's the funniest guy in the world. And I was like, what are you talking about? Are you kidding me? And he goes, no, no. He goes, I'm telling you, it was, it was more fun watching him react to you than it was watching you. And I was like, well, that's, that's craziness. And then seconds later, Robin came into the green room. And he, and he, you know, I won't, I, I, I can't do a Robin Williams, but, you know, it was like, you know, kind of like, hey, Robin Williams. <laughs> you don't want to try the stentorian And, yes, and he goes, uh, 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 yeah, how are you? I'm, I'm Robin. And I said, I'm Jimmy. He goes, oh, I know who you are. I just, just watched you for an hour and a half. You're, uh, and then I was, oh, well, it's a pleasure to meet you. And he, and he, he actually said, he goes, I, I got to tell you, you are the quickest mind I've ever seen on stage. Now, maybe Robin tells every human being he's Coming ever met Coming from that, Robin. But. <laughs> but to me, I, for that moment, and, and I'll take it to my grave, it was, it, you don't get a better compliment than that. You don't get, from the guy who the world says is the fastest mind in the world, and I recognize this is self-serving, but, I, but it still was a highlight of my career, like for him to, you know, to, to, number one, take the time to come up and say hello. Um, two, I knew the backstory that he was truly laughing throughout the show, and so it meant something. It didn't seem like Hollywood BS. Um, and so I said, hey, you, first of all, I said, thank you so much, and, you know, it was nervous. Um, and I said, would you, we have, we have a second show. Would you do us the honor of being on the panel? He's like, I could never keep up with you. I won't do it. I can't keep up with you. I won't do it. And, <laughs> and we, I, I kind of, you know, I begged to the point of, you know, I didn't want uh, just short of being annoying. And it was obvious he wanted to just hang out and have fun, but uh, he didn't want to do the show. Um, but what had happened during the first show is I, uh, I tore my meniscus. I did a turn where my knee snapped and I tore my meniscus and it was blowing up to the size of a balloon. And Robin kept offering me some Vicodin. And he's like, you gotta, you gotta take Vicodin. You gotta take Vicodin. Vicodin's the only thing you take for that. And I'm like, like Robin, I gotta do a show. I can't be on Vicodin yeah. and, and sleepy. <laughs> I'm drooling. It, right, exactly. I can't be a, a, out of it. And I, 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 tur- I turned it down. But I think in the grand scheme of things, like what a, what a perfect night that was that not only did, did, was I lucky enough to have two great shows, I was lucky enough to have a hero come up and, and praise me. Um, and then... True to your reputation, offer me drugs, and uh, <laughs> all the Robin, all the Robin. I got, every I got everything. I, I got every part of you know Robin being the nicest, sweetest guy <laughs> to being yeah, again uh, uh, complimentary <laughs> to uh, to trying to uh, force me to take a fight in it. <laughs> Um, and I didn't take I mean, it. how do you even, I mean, it must have been an absurd, kind of surreal moment to be standing in front of someone who you saw on the screen, you listened to when you were in eighth grade with all of your friends, and now he's, like, there in the flesh. Yeah, it was... It was a kind of a moment for you where you're like, okay, like... I've come a long way. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was that. And also, when do I get to go to the emergency room? Because something's wrong with my knee. Um, yeah, damn. You must have taken a big turn. <laughs> it was crazy. It was. Uh, but I, w- I, I wish I would have at least taken the Vicodin and put it in my pocket for later so that I <laughs> could have a button on the story of I took the Vicodin. Um, it's, and what was, do you recall what year that was? Oh, maybe? I knew you were going to ask me. I'm trying to I, think of what, yeah, what he was doing around that maybe time. Maybe 2010? I think it was January, two, it was either January 2009 or 2010, but I want to say 2010. Wow, okay, okay.
I got a chance to speak on the phone with Rick Overton, who, as you know, is a fellow comedian and was a really good friend of Robin's. And he was telling me about how he managed to convince Robin to go on this comedy show called Set List. And essentially, they give you a phrase to improvise off of. And so Robin was actually given the phrase introvert dictator. So he, he ended up doing it. He ended up doing it. Yeah. You get to see how quick he is. Even when, I mean, that was, that was, that was pretty close to the end. And he, his mind was still really freaking fast. Like the minute they put the card up, he went into character and you didn't even notice that he went into character until he did a little, like a little shy guy hand wave. And and then you're like, he already went into character and I didn't even see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And fit it in in that just split second and got a laugh just by moving his hand. My friend does not have the balls to do what I do. No, not at all. <laughs> Satisfied, I've been down here just living my life, making insidious plans but telling no one. It sounds like from you and from others I spoke to that, you know, around that time in his life, he was a lot more hesitant to go up and perform and, you know, given what was going on in his life and just the fact that he's known for being so, so rapid fire. Yeah. That's, that's a scary thing to have to live up to that reputation while going through the process of aging and uh, having, um, you know, what's diagnosed as Parkinson's at the time and then later on revealed to be so much more. And to have people expect you to always be at the top of your game, well, that, wherever you go, that's it. You, I, you, you nailed it. But it's that. That's that's what you know. I, I, this is a ridiculous comparison, but I compare it to Steve Perry of Journey. And Steve is saying he doesn't want to really do live shows because people want to hear Steve Perry circa nineteen eighty three, and that's not who he is anymore. And I think it's the same with Robin in that. You know, everybody wants it to be the Robin Williams from, you know, the comic relief days. And 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 he was not that guy anymore. And so, but if he's not that guy, then people walk away going, ah, he was funnier 20 years ago. It's like, yeah, but that's not yeah. fair. He's he's matured and, and he's, he's not. And also a lot of, a lot of crazy th- things happened in those 20 years right. that make it a little hard to just be yeah. <laughs> seeing things like your 20-year past self. It, it's 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 got to be hard to, when you get to that level, to, you know, you're always competing with yourself. And that's got to be <laughs> exhausting. Mm-hmm. I mean, your, I mean, your show is called Never Not Funny. Do you ever feel like, I don't want to be funny right now? Um. Yes, of course. And boy, do I regret that name of that show. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, you know, I, you know, luckily my show has evolved as, as well. And, 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 and the audience has gone along with it, uh, that it's not just a joke barrage like it was when we initially started. It's us talking about our lives and so on. Um, and so we're lucky again that, they, that the, the listeners have taken the journey along with us. Uh, otherwise, I, I feel the same way. It'd be like, why? It would be exhausting to... Mm-hmm. Try to do the same show we were doing 13 years ago. That's just, you know, mm-hmm. would be unrealistic. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of the natural progression of things. But, you know, sometimes people, yeah, they go into a Robin Williams movie where it's a drama and they want Robin Williams, the stand-up comic, or right. Robin Mork from Ork. <laughs> it's like, well, you didn't come to the right thing. Right. <laughs> it, it, this is... 
And he's a competent actor. Well, so. he's first of all, I, I think his performance in Awakenings is one of the best performances yeah. in the history of movies. He yeah, beyond competent. That was a bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right, right. I think that was the problem with Patch Adams. By the way, is the fact that he. You know, the, 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 the poster and such had him with the clown nose on. That everybody's like, oh, here's the old Robin Williams. And when it wasn't that, people walked out going, well, that wasn't that great. Yeah, but take a step back and look at it a different way. It was great. And he was great as he is in everything he's done. Like he did the Broadway show, The Bengal Tiger. Um, it's him stretching his wings in a different sort of way. And people didn't really, they, they came to Broadway because they saw Robin Williams as the headliner kind of name, and they maybe expected it to be a comedy show. Right. And it, it very much so wasn't mm-hmm. that. Um, and it's it, it must be frustrating because, you know, he put so much work into every role he did and took it very personally. And to have people, you know, still come up to you and go, Nanu, Nanu. It's like... Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, my God, how horrible it. must that be? I'm free from that now, Master Bob. No, don't have to now new for a while. We're doing something different. I'm going to be. <laughs> and I mean, but he was never the person to like express that to his fans, you know, because there's still that measure of being so grateful for the audience and wanting to give them everything, but also needing to, you know, have some space to breathe to be a different sort of artist. (laughs) Yes, agreed. You know? I do. And what was it like when you heard about his passing? Was it very confusing to hear about the initial coverage of that? And then, of course, we later on learned that there's more than just um, what was released about it being tied to depression, um, that there was a lot more going on. Yeah. It, but what was that like? Well, it was, you know, again, uh, and, uh, you know, I kind of just remember being stunned and, you know, yet, you know, not surprised, if that makes sense. You know, like, yeah. you know, uh, you know, we had, um, you know, my, my, my brother-in-law uh, passed away in a similar way. Um, and uh, so it was... Uh, we were starting to, you know, we were really understanding depression, um, or at least I was more uh, understanding depression and how what it, what it could lead one to do. Um, so when Robin, there was like, yeah, that it, it, it I, I hate to say it makes sense, but you know, it it I, I it wasn't it was a surprise and it wasn't a surprise. I, I, I get, I know, I'm just repeating myself because I'm kind of bit of. A loss for well, words. I mean, this is like a yeah. This is a, a, a hard area. I think even like you know, five years on, it's still like we're trying to articulate it. Because I mean, in many ways, through his work and through what we can continue to see of him from you know what what we do have, like there was so much vibrancy, so much life to him, and I don't think that's gone away at all no it, it it is not and um i mean it it, I, it makes me think back to what you said about how like right now is a time when we 
could really use a voice like his that yeah um, we we could help explain things and help put them in a different light maybe not a better light but just something he could tie it up for us a right but yeah, just to, again to see what's going on in the world today through his filter would have been <laughs> oh, wonderful <gosh. laughs> uh, yeah that would be that would be wild that would be a wild wild ride yes it would That's all for this special episode of Knowing Robin Williams. When we come back next week, Robin sees through the shimmering mirage of Hollywood and is reminded of what matters most. Thanks to Dave Itzkoff. Check out his book, Robin, to learn even more. And please be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. If Robin had an impact on your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email at knowing at mcmillan.com. I'm Christy Westgard, your host and producer. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.